Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Anybody here? Uh, the middle child. Middle child? Okay. You are not forgotten this morning. We got you. Anybody here? The only child. God bless you. God bless you. Well, I'm the baby, and the truth is when you're the baby, we got it good. It's just, we, we know it, and we have to acknowledge it. And I grew up as the youngest of four, and, uh, you know, raised in a non-Adventist family. And one day when I was 12, my mother sat me down, and she shared some, um, some pretty terrible news. She said, son, um, for this next year of school, you're going to go to a new school. You're going to be going to a new, private, Christian seven-day Adventist school. And I had no clue what those words meant. I was like, seven-day? Like, no more weekends? Like, what does this mean? And so I went to this new school, but I pretty soon found out what that meant. It meant that I would be going to a, a, a school where everybody there had known each other since birth, and uh, they all kind of hung out together all the time, even on the weekends, on Saturday mornings. Why would you ever hang out on Saturday mornings? And it meant that they all kind of had the same culture and the same language, and they all ate the same weird, you know, pretend version of meat and all these strange things. And they all had the same aunt named Ellen, and I didn't have an aunt named Ellen. And so I was like, why they all got the same aunt? Like, that's kind of weird. But then... A miracle happened, and that was that despite my weirdness, my awkwardness, my overwhelming insecurity, as frankly many of us have at 12 years old, those people decided to welcome me in and to treat me like I belonged there. And the best thing that you could ever do for a young person is to make sure they know they belong. Just like it's the best thing you can do for any adult. And pretty soon, because of how those people loved me and welcomed me in, well, soon enough their community now became my community. And their church became my church. And their Jesus became my Jesus. And I loved going to school there. And I was baptized in the ninth grade. I became my school's religious vice president in 12th grade. Went on to Pacific Union College to become the next great sports writer. See, that wasn't always the plan. For a while, it was the next great NBA star, until reality hit me hard as a teenager and I realized I wasn't going to be six foot eight and uh, there weren't too many spots available in the NBA for a skinny little guy like me. And so uh, I had to move on and I thought, well, if I can't play in the pros, maybe I can write about them. And so I go and study journalism at PUC to become the next great sports writer. But while I was there, I got involved in a bunch of different ministries and I discovered this feeling I hadn't felt before, and that was fulfillment. When I was doing outreach projects 
and dorm ministries and serving food to the homeless and, and doing all of these religious things, I felt something that sports writing didn't quite provide. And I thought, you know what? I think I want to be a youth pastor. Because maybe just like some caring adults welcomed me in and changed my life, well, maybe I can do the same for the next generation of young people. And I graduated from PUC with my degree in journalism, but thankfully was hired by the Southeastern California Conference, which oversees all the Seventh-day Adventist churches in Riverside, San Bernardino, Orange County, San Diego, and Imperial. Basically all of SoCal except LA, that's Southeastern California Conference. <laughs> and I was hired to become a youth pastor at the Oceanside Seventh-day Adventist Church. How many of y'all been to Oceanside before? Come on, you right? How could you not? How could you not just make a nice little trip down I-5, go visit your coastal sister down there, vacation town, Picture this with me for a moment, Relove. I'm 21 years old, fresh out of college, and I get paid to move down to North County, San Diego, and given an office where if I look out the window, I can see the Pacific Ocean. I was a missionary. And I loved doing youth and young adult ministry there. We had about 60 youth and young adults in that church that I got to do life with. And I loved it. And after about five years, I was standing on the coast one day, sand in my toes, that, that cool breeze going by, the sound of a seagull above me. And I just said, this is nice. But you know where I really want to go? San Bernardino. Because for some reason, I left that church to take a job to pastor at the Cala Mesa Seventh-day Adventist Church, right on the border of Riverside, San Bernardino. I don't care what county it's in. It's not San Diego. And there they had about 100 youth and young adults or so that I got to walk alongside of, and I loved it. Did that for about four years. While there, I met Paige, and we got married in 2020. Pandemic wedding. Loved every minute of it. And after about four years at Cala Mesa, I uh, accepted an invitation to become the Youth and Young Adult Director of Southeastern California Conference, which is a job that I love because it means I get to work alongside of people who love young people. Let me ask you a question, church. Do you love young people? Let me ask it another way. Do you love today's young people? And, and, and let me, yeah, yeah, you had to think on that one. That's okay. You know what I love is I look out and I see every different age group here this morning, and I love that. And I see quite a lot of young people here too. But when I ask you if you love today's young people, can, I, can we just like keep it real today? That's cool, right? I get the feeling you're good with that. You let me come here without a tie, so you must keep it real. When I ask you if you love today's young people, I'm not asking, do you love them for who you want them to become? What I'm asking you is, do you love them for who they are right now? And I'm going to take it a step further. Can God teach us older people through today's young people? Come on now. 
Can God even speak to us today through today's young people? See, that, that gets a, a little bit harder to, uh, to agree with. Tell me if you've ever started a sentence this way. You know, kids these days. You ever said that? Because sometimes when we think of our young people today, we like to think of all the things that we don't like about them. How different they are. How they don't do it the way we do it. How much they have to learn from us. I do it. I still do it. Just this week, I was playing basketball, and there was a young man on my team, probably about 16 years old, and uh, he had on an Angels t-shirt, the baseball team here in Anaheim. We drove by the stadium on our way here this morning, so you know the, the Los Angeles Angels. So he's wearing an Angels t-shirt. I like baseball. I like young people. So after one of the games, I, I go up to him, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> Angels fan, huh? And he just stared at me with this blank look. I was like, you're sure, you're sure, you're an Angels fan? And he just stared at me. And he goes, look, I'm gonna be honest, bro. I just thrifted it. I'm like, all right, bro, my bad, my bad. <laughs> and I went back and I texted my buddies. I'm like, man, kids these days don't know nothing about baseball. They just wear shirts that they get at a thrift store. I do it too, I get it. Humorist author Mark Twain once said this, when your child turns 13, put them in a wooden barrel and feed them through a hole. <laughs> then he said, when they turn 16, plug the hole. <laughs> and to be honest, when I became a youth pastor, I kind of felt this way too. I, I said that I loved young people, but the truth was I only loved them for who I wanted them to become. And that's not love. But thankfully, God was gracious and gave me the opportunity to spend time with young people. And I realized very quickly that my outward judgments of them were not accurate to their inward character. And as much as I may have had to teach them as their youth pastor, they had just as much to teach me if I was willing to listen. One day I was driving home from a youth Vespers and I had two of my youth who were brothers sitting in the backseat of my car. I was taking them home. And so as I'm driving there, I'm making conversation. And so I said to them, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And the answer I hear from the backseat is, to be honest, we both want to become world famous rock stars. In my head, I'm thinking, ask about the backup plan. Ask about the backup plan. But out of my mouth came the words, yeah, I could see it. I'm thinking, what did I just say? Did I just encourage them to go down this road? And then I hear from one of the brothers, wow, Pastor Aaron, we've never heard an adult say that to us. They just always want to ask about our backup plan. It's nice to know you believe in us. Lesson learned that day. Sometimes we all just want to know somebody believes in us. Do you want to know what ended up happening to those brothers? Have you ever heard of the music group, the Jonas Brothers? Yeah, that's not them. Uh, <laughs> they did not become world famous rock stars. But they knew their youth pastor believed in them. 
And that's important. Another time, when I was at Cala Mesa, um, I was meeting with my youth leadership team, right? This is something youth pastors often do, is we'll ask a few of our youth if they're willing to be leaders in the youth group. Maybe some of you here are or have been leaders in your church. And we were meeting, and this was in May, so it was about the end of the school year, and we always did an end of the year Vespers. And so this was a uh, Friday afternoon. They had just gotten out of school. And I said to them, hey, all right, let's do this. Let's plan our end of the year Vespers. And they looked completely disinterested. Not always uncommon for a teenager, so I didn't worry too much. I said, hey, guys, hello. You know what we got to do? We got to plan this Vespers. You know how this works. We need to get somebody to do music. We need to get somebody to speak. Most importantly, we need to get somebody to provide food. And we've got a Vespers. So what do you got? Give me some ideas. Nothing. And I said, what's, what's going on, guys? What, what, what's the problem? And they said, Pastor Aaron, we're sorry. We're just, I mean, I don't know about the rest of you, but I know I'm exhausted. We're studying for finals. Our school play just happened. Our sports seasons have come to an end. We're just exhausted. And the rest of them agreed with that. The rest of them said, yeah, we're, we're kind of feeling the same way. It's the end of the school year. We're really tired. But you know what, Pastor Aaron, this is your time with us. Let's do this. We can plan this Vespers. And then one of the youth spoke up and said, I'll tell you, Vespers, I wish we could have. One where we just come and rest. I said, <laughs> that's cute. But uh, we do Vespers on Friday night. Friday night is the Sabbath. Sabbath is not for resting. The Sabbath is for doing things. Okay, come on. This is what we do here. Let's plan this Vespers. Well, by then, the idea had already taken flight. And they said, yeah, that would be a really cool Vespers. You know, we could, we could have soft music playing, you know. Maybe we could have warm, cozy blankets, you know. Maybe, maybe we could turn the lights low and it could just be really peaceful and quiet. And they're, they're coming up with all these ideas. And I'm just like, what are they talking about? This isn't how we do things here. They said, no, 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 Pastor Aaron, it'll work. We'll have different rooms with different themes of rest. Okay, so we're gonna have one room that's like all about art. You know, you can come in, you can like watercolor or draw, you know, and then, and then we'll have another room where it'll be, um, it'll be the nature room, okay? And so we'll set up plants and like, I don't know, like stuffed animals and maybe we'll have like planet earth playing and, and it'll be like nature, you know? And, and, then, and then we'll have another room and it'll be the silent room. I'm like, what is the silent room? And they're like, it's just a place where it's silent. Because as teenagers, our lives are really noisy and it would be so good to just have some peace and quiet. And then they said, what about this? After you go through all the rooms and in, in, in the big room where we usually have worship, we're going to have different stations. One where you can write your prayer requests and stick them to the wall. We'll have one where, where it'll be like a, like, a, like a kindergarten classroom, you know, like brightly colored rugs, rocking chair, kids books to just make us feel like, kids again. And then, and then we'll have in the middle of the room, a big cross. And, and, uh, and then, oh, and what we'll do is like, I don't know, 20 feet away from the cross, we'll have bricks. We can find bricks, right? And Sharpies. And we can write on the bricks, all the things that are stressing us out and weighing us down, and then carry that brick and lay it down at the foot of the cross. What do you say, Pastor Aaron? Can we do it? I was like, Okay, 
yeah, let's, let's, do, let's do the rest thing. They're like, no, 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 we got a name for it too. I'm like, what's the name? Rest burrs. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did, because I didn't. It's like, we don't do things this way. That is not how we do it. Stop trying to make us do things in a new way, in ways we don't usually do it. That's not how the church works. We find a way to do it, and we do it that way for centuries, okay? That's just how it goes. And so the respers was planned. And one month later was the date. And I looked outside because we made them wait outside of the door. There were twice as many kids lined up for that event than came normally for our Vespers. There were kids there I'd never even seen before. I'm like, who are you? They're like, oh, I just heard there was a place we could rest. I'm like, all right, you're, you're at the right place. And as I let them into our youth room, one by one, I just asked two things of them. First, I asked them to take off their shoes. I said, for one, it'll relax you. For two, we're going to treat this as holy ground. The second thing I asked of them was I had this basket. And I just said, why don't we leave our cell phones in the basket? And for the next hour, we'll take a break from them. They loved that idea. Not one youth protested that. They were, oh yeah, no problem. And then they'd walk through and, and some would go to the art room, some to the nature room, some to the silent room. I asked one parent if she would bake chocolate chip cookies so that smell was just wafting throughout the space. You know how that's just a really cozy scent? One kid skipped all the rooms. He went straight to the kindergarten corner. He laid on the rug and fell asleep and took a nap. He slept the entire event. After everybody had left, I had to go wake him up. I was like, hey, we're done. And he was like, oh, that was great. But you know what? I knew that kid. He was taking three AP classes. He was playing varsity basketball. He was not getting a lot of rest in his life. And what better way to spend a Sabbath than to just rest? And so at the end of that hour, we sang a song. I prayed over them that they would experience God's rest in their life. And they went home. And then I woke the kid up and he went home. And you know what? I think in my 12 years of youth ministry, that's the single event I received the most appreciation and affirmation for. Pastor Aaron, thank you. That was just what we needed. And I would tell them every time, don't thank me. <laughs> thank you, the youth who were willing to have a new idea, who were willing to do something in a totally new way, who said, what we need right now is not a speaker, we need rest. We need to care for our mental health. And that matters. Jesus cares about our mental health. Jesus cares about our physical health. It's a beautiful thing when we learn something from young people. Our scripture today is found in Psalms chapter 100, verse 5. It's a beautiful chapter, Psalm 100. But here's how it concludes. It says, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Do you believe that? That God's faithfulness doesn't end with your generation or my generation? 
but that God's faithfulness continues through all generations? And something you may know is that each American generation since the dawn of the 20th century have been named and explained, identified by the qualities and circumstances that they hold in common. You're aware of this, right? And so, for example, if you're born between 1946 and 1964, we have a name for you. You're called baby boomers, known for a post-war population spike and bringing tremendous political and cultural reform to our country. Baby boomers have made our world a better place. We're grateful for you, baby boomers. <laughs> Thank you. But God's faithfulness did not stop there because there was another generation that came after that. Do you know who that was? Well, it's those who were born between 1965 and 1980. I would just guess I see a few of you out here. You're known as Generation X, also known as the Latchkey Kids, because they often grew up in single-parent households. The rate of mothers in the workforce was increasing, and what that led to was these Generation Xers getting dropped off from the school bus and having that little latch key around their neck and letting themselves back into their homes. But from this developed this strong spirit of independence and entrepreneurship. And wouldn't you know it, our Gen Xers are the ones who have guided us into the technological age. Almost all of those services that you use every single day, you know, Google and YouTube and Amazon, they're all founded by Gen Xers. And so thank you, Gen Xers, for the impact that you've had on our world. It isn't just technological, plenty more. But God has been faithful in how each of us have been blessed with the Gen Xers in our lives. But did God's faithfulness end there? Well, no, because there was another generation. Those born between 1981 and 1996, well, they're known as millennials. And for some people, the word millennial is like a bad word, right? It's like, ooh, millennials, you know? That's okay. We can take it. We're known for a few things. We're known for taking selfies. We're known for avocado toast and our lattes. We're known for still living at home with our moms. But you know why? Because millennials are the most educated generation the United States of America has ever had in its history, both the men and women. So yes, we have student debt because we've gone to school. Millennials are also known for their, their activism. And we can be grateful for the millennials in our lives and what they've brought into our world. But did God's faithfulness end there? Well, no, because there's another generation after them. Those born between 1997 and 2012, what do we call them? We call them Generation Z. Gen Z. I see a few of you out here. If you're between the ages of uh, about 10 and 25 or so, you're a Gen Zer. And that means, of course, there's another generation who has come after them, those who are under 10 years old. Uh, some are calling them Gen Alpha. I like to call them Baby Zoomers. And we're still learning about Gen Alpha. We're still learning about Gen Z, actually. But I can tell you this, church, what we know so far about Gen Z is so wonderful. And I just want to share briefly a few things that I love about our young people today. And the first thing is this crazy notion that our young people have today that everyone should belong, even if they look, act, or believe differently. See, back when I was a teenager and going to youth group, we saw the other youth groups as our rivals, okay? So it's like we had our youth room and they had theirs. 
You know, we had our praise songs that we liked. They had theirs. We had our youth pastor. They had theirs. Don't want to know about it? You just do your thing and we'll do ours. Well, then I became a youth pastor to some Gen Z kids. And they were like, hey, Pastor Aaron, can we go do like a joint vesters with the other youth group in town? I was like, why? Like, like, like why would we do that? They're like, well, we all just, we worship Jesus. So why don't we worship together? It's like, okay, we can try it. You might be noticing a theme where they have the good ideas and I don't believe in it. And then it happens and it's awesome. Yeah, that's like kind of how ministry works. We did it and it was wonderful. And it reminded me of that story in the book of Acts where we read about the day of Pentecost. Where believers from all over, different backgrounds, different upbringings, but they came together into one space. They didn't even speak the same language. And then what happened? It said the Holy Spirit arrived. Scripture compares it to a gust of wind. And suddenly they can understand each other because that's what the spirit of God does. It brings people together. It tears down these walls that we put up between us that says, Hey, uh-uh, we're not cool. And God's spirit rushes in and says, guess what? Your family. And that's what happened at Pentecost. And that's something our young people today are really good at is reminding some of us that we're family that we need to care about each other. We need to watch after each other. Yeah, even if we are a little bit different. I love that about our young people. It reminds me of what Paul writes in Galatians. He says, there's no longer Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female. All these things where we divide, you know, they would, they, all those they would use to divide, you know, uh, you know, Jews over here, Gentiles over here, the men you sit over here, the women sit over here. They would, it would, division, division, division. And Paul says, no, that, that doesn't exist anymore with this Jesus way. With Jesus, it says, we are all one in Christ Jesus. And I've seen that from our young people today. Thank you, young people, for reminding us when we forget. Another thing I love about our young people today is that they are resilient. You see, every generation has faced its own set of challenges. Every generation does, whether it be world war or financial depression or divorce rates or whatever it might be. And so what if today's young people had to face? Well, things like school shootings, economic fallout, uh, a, very, a very harsh political climate. And then, all of a sudden, a global pandemic. And yet, they are often the ones encouraging us to see the best in every person and in every circumstance. And I love that. And so to the young people who are here today, don't ever let anybody tell you that you are a fragile generation. No, no, you are strong. You are resilient continue to be strong and continue to help the rest of us see Jesus in a way we never have before. One more thing I want to share about what I love about our young people today is how they want to impact our world and our church. One of the best questions I like asking young people is, how do you want to see the world change in 10 years? Or how do you want to see the Seventh-day Adventist church change in the next 10 years? The answers are so interesting to listen to. And when I ask that question, consistently, 
the words I hear back are things like more peace, less division. For the church, they say things like more welcoming. They, they say we want the doors to grow wider. They want people to find home and community in the Seventh-day Adventist church. And I love that. In fact, at a recent junior-senior Bible conference, something that happens every year in our conference, I asked these questions to the leaders, the juniors and seniors that were leading. I actually had them fill out a survey where I said, first, what do you enjoy most about being a Seventh-day Adventist? Three out of four answers said the same thing. The community. They said, you know, my church, my school, this, this is what they enjoy the most, knowing that they belong to a family that loves them. Somebody else wrote an answer. They said, the knowledge that God is always present. Isn't that good? Another kid wrote this, Sabbath vibe. I don't know what that means, but I like it. <laughs> but then I asked them that other question. I said, well, I also asked them, what do you enjoy least about being a Seventh-day Adventist? That was fun to read. A lot of answers included words like judgment, pressure, and hesitancy to change. And then I asked them, what is one difference you hope to see in the world in the next 10 years? I wish I could read you every answer. Here are just a few of them. A world that is willing to listen empathetically. More love for those around us and for those who may not have the same beliefs as us. A wider acceptance and support of people. I hope that people will start to take better care of themselves. One kid wrote, gas prices. <laughs> he probably just got his license, right? A few more answers. The church being more accepting, more love, acceptance, more empathy and understanding to break down barriers and foster positive change, less division, more kindness, and... Jesus coming back. I don't know about you, church, but when I read those answers, I am reminded that the future of the church is in good hands. That just as I may have something to teach our young people, they have just as much to teach me, and that God is faithful through all generations. And something we have to remember is that the church will change. It always has. Do you know why? Because the church is people. It's living, it's breathing, it's dynamic. It's, it's not a building. We've all learned that recently. It's people, and try as we might not to change, we change as well. And so the church will change. The question is, how will it change? Will it change well? Will it change in a healthy way? And I'm reminded of when Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and he compares the Spirit of God to the same thing that would later be experienced at Pentecost. He calls it like a wind. He says it comes and goes in whatever way it pleases. In other words, if you want to try to put the Spirit of God into a box and say, stop moving, just stay put, it's not going to happen. Because the second you put wind in a box, it's not wind anymore. So the Spirit of God is always on the move. We don't need to be afraid of that. We just need to help it move well. And I believe one of the best ways we can help the church move well is to tap in to our young people. Ask their opinions. Listen to their ideas. Give them a chance to have the microphone and a seat at the table. 
And young people, it goes the other way too. Continue to learn. Ask questions of your elders. Ask them to tell you about a story, a time when their life was impacted or they learned something important. They have tremendous stories and wisdom to share with you. Keep asking questions of your parents and your pastors and your principals, your aunts and your uncles, your grandmas, your grandpas, your mentors, your brothers, your sisters. Keep learning from them. But don't stop there because we also need to learn from you. And I pray for a church that listens and learns from the voices of our young people. Thank you, Relove, for allowing me to join you here this morning. Thank you for how you as a church are loving your young people. The fact I see so many young people here means you're doing something right. And honestly, the fact that you're meeting here on the campus of one of our Adventist academies where I can tell you countless young people have found home and community and church and Jesus on the campus of Orangewood Academy. And now here you are meeting on a Sabbath on those same grounds in that same chapel to experience the love of God as well. That's not an accident. It's a beautiful thing. And I pray that Relove is a place that continues to support your young people and to be a church for all generations. Let me pray with you. Well, Jesus, I'm just... I'm so encouraged this morning as I look at each beautiful face uh, that I'm worshiping with this morning and I get to see people who belong to all generations, Lord. People who come from so many different backgrounds. People who carry so many different experiences. And I'm reminded, Lord, that yes, your church is a place for all generations. Lord, please continue to remind us of that. Help us to see what we have to learn from your young people. I'm reminded, Lord, of when Jesus was on earth and he had to choose his group of disciples and he chose a group of young people who didn't have great reputations, maybe didn't believe all the right things, and yet they're the ones who build the Christian church. And so, Lord, whatever it is you have to show us and teach us, no matter how young or old we are, we want to listen, Lord. We want to hear your voice. We want to follow your lead. We want to be your church. We want to be a place where every idea is heard and every voice is respected. May that be the reality here at Relove. May that be the reality in Seventh-day Adventism. May that be the reality in this world. Thank you for what you are doing. Thank you for being on the move. Thank you for the wind of the Holy Spirit. Please guide us, Lord. Your servants are listening. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.